0: And it's a great day to be alive I know the sun's still shining when I close my eyes There's some hard times in the neighborhood But why can't every day
1: be just this good? It's a great day to be Hello, alive
0: Hello, Gritmen, Gritwomen, Gritman here. And welcome to the Gritman Show. Hope you like that intro song, A Great Day to Be Alive by Travis Tripp. Always been one of my favorites, but it's taken on a whole new meaning when i heard the impact and the significance that that song had on our guest today will chesney this episode is brought to you by pumps of houston 60 years of legendary service to the water and wastewater industry we appreciate their support of the grit men show so we can continue to spread grit and share these unique stories buddy of mine trey nicholson invited me out to a clay shoot for the warrior health foundation a while back and had a great time. Didn't know a lot about the organization, but learned a lot. Got to hang out with some Navy SEALs and hear their story. And afterwards, he said, hey, if you like the military and sporting good causes and are looking for unique stories of grit, you need to check out Will's book. And so I did. It's called No Ordinary Dog. Loved it. Um, I'll warn you. Get to the end. If you don't want to shed some tears in front of people, make sure you're by yourself because uh, it's pretty powerful. But I'd recommend you reading it. Um, I'm going to warn you in this episode, there's some colorful language. I think Will's favorite saying is, don't be a piece of shit, which is good sound advice. Um, and I think you may be a piece of shit if you don't support the military or police or first responders, stand for the national anthem. That's a pretty good indicator that you may be a piece of shit. So if you are offended by colorful language, maybe sit this one out but i think it actually adds to the interview and the story and when you've seen the things he has and been tasked with ridden the world of bad guys i think it's okay to say a few cuss words the ordinary dog is a powerful true story of will chesney a seal team operator and military dog handler and the dog that saved his life cairo helped save will's life many times over and it was up to will to be there when cairo needed him the most the book is a wonderful story told through Will himself about his upbringing, training, time during active duty with the SEAL teams, and Operation Neptune Spear, which resulted in the successful elimination of Bin Laden. Will and I discuss the love between an owner and his dog. You don't have to have a dog to be a grit man, but most grit men love dogs. Will also talks about not being a quitter, being a reliable teammate, living a life of true service, and not being a piece of shit. He also gives us a new term boat ducker and explains how this is not a desired trait in episode 1 coach Graham gave us milk toast and now will explains boat ducker both are a nice way to say that someone is a little soft as I sat across from will in my house to record this interview I was just blown away by his sacrifice his love for his teammates and country and overall I was just really thankful that there are guys like him that want to kill bad guys Will is a true grit man, and his dog Cairo is a grit dog. Hope you enjoy this interview. Get out there and find your grit, and don't be a boat ducker. Guys, he's a lot like nails. He plays like nails. He's tough as nails. He likes to call himself a grit man, whatever that means. I quit oh, really? with my daddy. I didn't make oh, really? the time. Score! And it's been years since I seen a deer. at a small mouth on the line. The other day, I hooked a monster. As I me I thought man it feels good to be country again. All right well will, thanks for joining me today it's just a pleasure to have you on Thanks for having me appreciate it. Well good I've been excited for this interview just after so will put out a book called No Ordinary Dog it's about Cairo the dog that he was the dad of is that is that accurate you say Cairo's dad
1: I was his dad <clears throat> all the other guys were his uncles it was like that's how would like to put it
0: Yeah that's awesome I would encourage all of y'all to read the book or listen to it. It's funny. I told Will, I, I listened to your audio book. And so when I was driving around town, and it was like I, I knew you. And then when I was reaching out to you to coordinate this, I had to like check myself. Like, oh, I may feel like I know Will, but Will doesn't know me. It's so,
1: funny how that happens, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just hearing someone's voice. Yeah, like me and Joe Rogan are best friends, and he doesn't know it yet, right? Like you listen to somebody <laughs> right. for so long, it's like, okay. You know, stuff about his kids
0: or different things. Yeah, yeah. for sure let's get into it, because the concept of grit man is what we're trying to define and build and and explore what a grit man is, what a grit man isn't. But after reading your book, I've also come up with the idea of grit dog, and Cairo would meet that description. He would. But let's let's go back to the start, like your upbringing, because I think you have a unique upbringing. Um, But tell us about where you grew up, uh, relationship with your parents, and how you got started.
1: I had a pretty basic childhood. I grew up in southeast Texas. I grew up in a small trailer park. It was a nicer trailer park, but it was still a trailer park, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot to do. We played a lot of basketball, and I just had a pretty normal childhood. I played some football in school, did okay. My grades were okay when I was younger, and then as I started to get into high school, I I stopped caring. Um, Grades weren't bad, but I just wasn't putting in a lot of effort. I was just ready to get out of the trailer park, get out of get out of Southeast Texas. You know, the, I think the funnest thing to do besides basketball and sports was just to go to the mall and hang out. Like, there's not not a whole lot to do. Know, things maybe things have changed r- around there now, but I, I doubt it. And I still I joined the work program at school, so I got half days my um, the last couple years, um, my junior and senior year. I uh, did some. Normal so I worked at a little restaurant called Catfish Kitchen. So mm-hmm. that was one of my first jobs. It was okay. It was did, you, did you fry dishwasher. the catfish? Did started off as the dishwasher. Started frying catfish. Cooked a little bit. It's fun. I made some good friends there. A lot of, a lot of fun and games. You know, we had we had fun there. Probably
0: probably not the easiest job. I imagine it's pretty hot mind. frying. It was, yeah.
1: It wasn't it wasn't bad at all. It was yeah. pretty easy. I did. It was one of the I guess the first times I learned about just. I'd, I'd go in and knock out my work. You know, you had your meal prep, You're peeling the shrimp, cutting up the catfish, making the coleslaw. And I would just get in. I would knock out all my, all my stuff in the beginning, and then me and me and my friends would just have fun. You know, I'd wash the dishes every once in a while, I'd go bust tables, and fry some catfish. But it wasn't it wasn't hard. I remember one day it was uh, a, <clears throat> I was in there. I had a I had a kid, a kid that he was in the turtle park with me. His name was Josh. He's a uh, he wasn't the most motivated individual okay you know maybe i'm kind of a piece of shit too but this kid (laughs) he was kind of a piece of shit (laughs) (laughs) so i hope he hears this hey josh um he worked there and i'd go in and one day i saw that he only had like one thing to do like peel shrimp and i had like four or five different things and i'm like why the fuck am i making the coleslaw doing this doing this i had like a bunch of stuff to do it's like oh yeah because josh doesn't do it,
0: anything. And I'm like... <laughs> Josh was on scholarship.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, that's that's real cool. So you give the hard worker more more responsibility and let the other guy just mess around anyways. So that was, that was pretty fun. So I worked there for a while. Uh, eventually, I think I found a better job. Maybe before. I think maybe I worked for the school district before. So I was mowing, mowing yards for the schools, doing maintenance work and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That job got boring. I got fired from that job because... Bored, I think I remember going to the office and I mowed and sprayed Roundup and I did all the work. And then I go back in the office and I'm like, I think I'm done. And the guys, I like, go mow it again or go do something else. And I'm like, this is stupid, I like, got I'm just not motivated. And I started slacking off and I'd go disappear and just mess around. Anyways, I basically got fired from that job. Uh, it's a bunch of baseball players that worked, and he was the head coach for the baseball okay. team. It's like me and a bunch of baseball players, and yeah. I think he'd hook them up with the cool jobs and I'd get stuck because I'm the ki- shitty kid from the trailer park. Maybe he was a little biased and he'd give me the shit jobs. Maybe yeah. not. maybe I just sucked. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, that didn't work out, and then you know, I just had some basic jobs like that. It was good. But yeah, it showed me like you don't you don't work hard and you start slacking off, you're gonna get fired.' There's consequences. Yeah, but I also learned that if I hate the job, i'm not going to want to do it and i'm going to be stuck being miserable And yeah it doesn't
0: that doesn't make any sense to me uh so the work nothing. work was uh, you were motivated to work i believe and, and i worked hard my, yeah. you did and so my goal here is to tease the book a little bit and talk about it but not give all the secrets away all right because yep. we want everybody to go read the book and i encourage y'all to as well it's awesome one of the best books i've read um, but I believe your motivation in high school was, I mean, you wanted a car.
1: I mean, yeah, right? who doesn't?
0: Right. And Well, I wanted girls. Go chase girl, oh, Right. You just needed the car.
1: Yeah. I mean, what does any dude growing up...
0: And your parents weren't going to provide the car, so to get the car, yeah. you had to go work.
1: Yeah. I mean, my grandparents had a little bit of money. They could have mm-hmm. bought me a car. Mm-hmm. They loaned me the money, but they didn't give me anything. So I had to pay them back, and I had to get a job. hmm Yeah. So that was the driving factor,
0: for sure. And one of the jobs you had, which that I think helped you when you became a SEAL was when you went to work with your dad um, climbing cell towers.
1: Yeah, so Got through all that and I signed up for the Navy when I was 17. I had to get them to sign an early waiver release form, whatever you want to call it because I was only 17. So they did that. Graduated high school. Uh, After high school I had a couple months before leaving for the Navy. I wanted to spend some time with my father he worked for a cell phone communication tower servicing company so they build and service cell phone towers I'm extremely afraid of heights that's like my probably my biggest fear heights I don't like heights Uh, but I wanted to spend time with my father before leaving and the job paid well and it was a chance for me to try to overcome some fears let's see you want to go be a Navy SEAL like everybody looked at me like sure you do kid like I'm the kid from the trailer park that nobody really believes in so i was like hey you want to be a navy seal like okay yeah sure you do so it's like even testing myself because i hate heights like well let's go see if i can uh suck it up and get over my fear of heights and it was good it wasn't the best
0: so you didn't really come from a military family it looked maybe some service made by grandpa in the yep. navy
1: grandpa was in the navy he was a cb okay and my uncle was in the army okay So some nobody yeah. talked about yeah. Their service really much at all,
0: but at some point, growing up, you decided you wanted to be a Navy SEAL. When was that?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. as, as a kid, I always remembered wanting to be in the military. Mm-hmm. I remember getting my ass whooped when I was a kid because uh, I watched Commando. It's one of my favorite movies, and I I watched Commando, and I went and got one of those black crayons, and I colored colored my arms. All, I camouflaged myself up with a black crayon. And my mom did not like that. I remember getting my ass whooped. <laughs> and I'm like, I was just trying to play commando. I was like, Arnold does it. Yeah. Why can I do it? But so I remember as a kid, I wanted to join the military, or at least I like to play. I like to play GI Joe. Uh, I was into martial arts, so my favorite movie, hands down, is uh, Kickboxer. Okay, John claude Van Damme. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but uh, I was
0: big into Taekwondo and Karate. Um but how does one yeah but how i get that but it was probably around how do you decide you want to go be one of of the most elite fighters we have and kill bad guys
1: is in middle school or maybe early in high school is when i really made the definitive decision like i'm going to be a seal for sure um
0: not a ranger i like the water okay
1: i really like the water i wasn't a fast swimmer in buds as well i the pool in the trailer park was closed down permanently, so <laughs> I didn't do a whole lot of swimming. I, I was real comfortable. S- stock
0: tank somewhere out there in the country <laughs> right. or something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the country club trailer park well did not exist, <laughs> but um, real comfortable. And I had heard that seal training was the hardest training in the world. And if I figure if I'm going to do something, I might as well might as well go full full blast.
0: So I'm, I'm going to read a couple of quotes that i took from the book and i want to get into your training so it says he said i was mediocre in physical attributes but i was resilient i was not a quitter shit always ran off my back my parents divorced we lived in a trailer park and i worked hard for what i had but I never felt angry i was just it was just the way things were eventually shit passes
1: yeah I was pretty pretty laid back as a kid a bunch of jokes a lot of comedy especially in the teams going through buds i mean it's like that scene in 300 where all the arrows are coming down and, you know, they're about to, you know, could die and they're just laughing. Like it's like that in the shittiest circumstances as we're in the water, we're getting our ass kicked. There's a lot of jokes that come out and a lot of, a lot of humor, a lot of humor to get through all those hard times for sure. So let's go into
0: BUDS. What's BUDS stand for? Basic?
1: Basic underwater demolition SEAL training.
0: Okay. And it's, you always hear about hell week, but BUDS is way more than just a week, right? BUDS is six months. Six months.
1: Bud's is six months, and you have a phase, this indoctrination phase, which is a month long. So I considered that as buds as well, but we were a summer class. So there's summer classes and winter classes, and since we were a summer class and it wasn't as cold for us, I feel like they beat the shit out of us more, which is understandable. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you might as well. We got to get people to quit. So a lot of guys say, oh, you were a summer class. It was weak. We were the winter class, and don't get me wrong, winter classes suck, but... I was a little bit uh, thicker I'm a little I'm not the skinniest person in the world so I'm I'm pretty good and cold and uh, I float well too (laughs) (laughs) but they uh so the indoctrination phase is a month and they really got rid of a lot of people in ndoc because they beat the shit out of us and in our um after so you go through ndoc a month you got about four weeks unless they changed it uh first phase and then you do hell week which is a week and then after hell week things aren't laid back but you're you're gonna lose most of your, the majority of your quitters in Hell Week and before. Okay. So after Hell Week, you're still gonna lose people, even in the next phases. It's just not your mass amounts of people.
0: So and when, when does Hell Week occur? Fifth week, fifth fourth week. Fifth,
1: fifth week, something like that. Unless All you change it, yeah. Got it. I think it's the fifth week. And then the, after Hell Week, you make a year own T-shirt. So we were class two forty-six, and on our Hell Week T-shirt, we called ourselves the Hammer Class, so because they hammered us quite a bit we started with I don't know I can't remember the original number it varies let's say anywhere from about 180 people mm-hmm. I think it was maybe a little so you, more you start with that many started with 180-ish um, we graduated with 22 originals 44 total if you're injured and buds and you're not a piece of shit they'll roll you back which means they'll rehab you physically rehab you and put you in another class once you're able to continue on as long as you're as long as they wanted to keep you around.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just fascinated by BUDS because it seemed, it's designed to weed out the quitters. Is that correct? And that's it. Okay, so you're trying to determine who's not going to quit. And has it historically been about the 80 to 80% eighty quit and you're left that's with about, about 20?
1: That's about a good number to say, say. 80% attrition rate for sure.
0: And you mentioned that just observing the candidates before, it's it seemed nearly impossible to determine just by looking at them who was going to be someone that made it. There was oftentimes guys that looked physically gifted and had big egos, but they'd they would they'd be quitters.
1: Oh, yeah. You have your, um, the swimmers, the college swimmers, athletic guys. We had one guy, great guy. He went through actually boot camp with him. Um, I really liked him. He had actually been in Virginia Beach. He hung out with a bunch of SEALs. He knew the deal. He was a little older. Um, great athlete, great person. Knew the deal. Got to buds. I really thought he would make it through no problems. And then one of the water tests, <clears throat> it's funny. I think he filled up his mask with water. Or maybe it was one of the ones where he you tied your hands and feet together you tied your hands behind your back. And then that, one, that one
0: just sounds absolutely
1: horrible. Well, I mean, it just depends. that was easy for me because I float. Some guys sink and it's not so easy. Some guys panic. But one of those tests. How deep's the pool? Close enough for you to not drown. Maybe nine feet. Okay. Eight, nine and feet. And your, your hands and feet are tied. Yep.
0: You sink, you do exhale, sink, kick, breathe, sink, so You do a rhythm. So you bouncing off the bottom. Stay calm. Coming up, getting a breath, going back down. Yeah, don't fuck it up. Yeah. Don't freak out. Okay.
1: And if you do, just don't freak out.
0: Yeah, so that's the...
1: Just got to stay calm. They, they fill your mask up with water, make you do a bunch of stuff. Just don't freak out. And like I said, he was he was one of my, one of my good friends. How long does that
0: exercise last to pass?
1: I don't know it was a good one you saw which one the drown proofing yeah. so it was a good one you you float for a significant amount of time or you bob for a significant amount then you have to swim a certain distance you have to with your hands and feet tied. you have to swim um, you have to go down pick up a mask I think you have to do a front flip or a back flip there's certain tasks you're in there for a while so it's not like you just jump in and you're like okay you did good after 30 seconds no it's a 15-minute evolution, 20-minute, 30-minute. I don't know. They're in there for a minute. They just want to prove to you that you can stay in there all day long.
0: Got it. There was, there was another one that was the, uh, you made the the point you were making is that it paid to be a winner in one of the competitions or tasks. I think it was maybe carrying the boat. It pays to be a winner in every, every evolution. <laughs> but yeah, there was, but, they, but you got a little extra rest time or something.
1: That was one of their yeah. main sayings okay. and buds from the instructors. It pays to be a winner. You better put out anything you do there. You better make sure you prove that you want to be there. And you better give it 100%. 100% and you better support your teammates. Because if not, we don't want you. Just yeah. go away. So it's a good way to I love weed out the turds. I mean, if, if you're a piece of shit, and they call them boat duckers, we carry these IBS... IBS boats, are called inflatable boats, smalls. They're probably a couple hundred pounds. You have a six-man boat crew, let's say, probably. Uh, six to eight. I can't remember exactly. And you carry these big rubber boats on top of your head everywhere until after Hell Week. I think after Hell Week they stopped doing that. Um, after Hell Week, I had a huge bald spot on the top of my head from the boat literally rubbed most of the hair. I mean, still had some, but it rubbed. Is that why you're,
0: you don't have any hair now? That's it. Okay. That's
1: why I have a five head these days. It's all <laughs> the boats. I blame all those instructors. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I'm kidding. I love you guys. <laughs> but, um,
0: I have no excuse. I uh, just yeah, bad right. genetics. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but if you're caught boat ducking, cause that boat, those boats hurt. <laughs> you look at some of the pictures from buds. Right. People don't look so happy when you have a boat on your head and you're carrying it for miles and all day long. But if you're caught boat ducking and you're not supporting your teammates, uh, the instructors will call
0: you out. That's not carrying it on your head. Carrying on your head. So if they ducking, catch so, yeah. you
1: with the boat not on your head and there's a little gap in between, they'll call you a boat ducker. And if they catch you enough, they'll call you out and they'll make you carry the paddles. So everybody knows that, hey, that guy's being a piece of shit boat ducker. So that's what everybody knows. You're carrying the paddles, and they might make you say something stupid, some chant or something.
0: Well, I'm going to start using that. Don't be a boat ducker. Don't be a boat ducker. Yeah.
1: And the, all the instructors, like I said, you got to have a good sense of humor. Not everybody has a good sense of humor. Most guys had a great sense of humor. Yeah. And a lot of those instructors, they come up with some funny shit, man.
0: Well, there was one I think you talked about, like, I don't know if it was in the morning or what, but they brought out, like, hot donuts that smelled so good to try to oh, tempt quit. you. Yeah.
1: Well, if you quit, you just have a donut. We'll give you a hot shower. You get to go to sleep. We'll give you all the donuts you want. And it's okay. I mean, so many people quit, anyways. Like, right? Like, that, that's so they This isn't job, isn't for anybody? It's okay. Like, really, it's okay. Like, come on, man. Here's a fucking donut. Like, <laughs> are you cold? Like, we'll, we'll give you a You're just laying care. on the
0: beach or something I'm envisioning. Yeah, and we're just really waving this donut you in front really of you over here. Like, <laughs>
1: it's okay. Like, so many people quit. You hear the bell? Like, go join your friends. And, like, look, this guy will join you, right? Don't, yeah, just go away.
0: Just the mental Jobs not Middle game seem they would be playing that on you. Well, I
1: mean, the, the way I, I kind of put it, you have to be willing to sacrifice your life for your friend, and that's mm-hmm. no joke. And we have guys that have done that, like literally sacrificed their life. My best friend sacrificed his life for an American hostage. It wasn't even his friend. You have to be willing to do that, especially for your teammate. And we have guys that do that. I mean, guys that jump on grenades, like. Michael Mansour is the medal of honor for jumping on a grenade to save his friends. Like you better be there for the right reasons. And I mean, I'm not even sure if I would jump on a grenade, right? Like <laughs> that's no joke. So you have to be, the instructors are there to make sure you have what it takes to actually physically do the job and to want to be there enough to, to literally lay down your life for your friends. My, one of my other best friends is tattooed on my leg with, with that, Bible versions. There's no greater love than for you to lay down your life for your friends. Right. right.
0: That's special. It is. You mentioned the bell. Tell the audience about the bell. Uh, you, you mentioned that in the, the book as well, and I'm just envisioning it, them carrying this bell around. But but what was it like in reality? Yeah, the bell goes everywhere.
1: Like I said, they just want you to quit so they make it real convenient for you. So they'll put it on the back of the truck on the hitch and they'll bring it to every evolution and it's always on the grinder where we exercise. That's what they call it, um, the grinders, a lot of physical evolutions there. And when we're out on the beach, they'll put it on the back of the truck, and they'll follow us around with the truck. So the bell's literally always there.
0: And was it three tugs on the rope? All you got to do is ring the bell
1: three times, and you're gone.
0: You're done. You can go get a hot shower and a warm meal, but you're a quitter. Yeah, and and you would... But there's nothing wrong with that.
1: It's okay. A lot of people quit.
0: That's what they're telling you. But... Clearly, you're hearing that bell be rung. I mean, so if 80% of the people are quitting, they're just walking up and doing it. So that's, that's happening every day. Oh, yeah. Is it just during hell week or is it the whole oh, time? Oh, no. It's the whole time. Got it. I remember. So they make it easy to quit. It's really easy to quit.
1: Yeah. Literally, at any time. I remember sitting there eating food after one of the evolutions. We're sitting there eating MREs, and it was warm. I'm, on the, I'm right by the water, on the, by the beach in beautiful Coronado. We're not doing anything physical. We should we just got our asses kicked for half the day, but it's lunchtime. And it's like I remember loving it. It was warm. I'm surrounded by a bunch of good dudes. I've got some food to eat. It's beautiful. Sure I gotta go back to it, but this is where I wanna be. Where am I gonna go back to the trailer park to do drugs? Go to the navy and paint or peel paint on a ship or you know, chip paint? Mm-hmm. And I remember, as I'm sitting there eating, enjoying the sun, I just hear the bell ringing nonstop. And in my mind, I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Just didn't. But I mean, I, I guess I do understand. that Nobody wants to do that next
0: evolution. But I'm like, why is everybody quitting? We're getting food. We're getting fed right now. It's like we're not even doing anything. So, what would what was your mindset? Did you have any tricks to help you get through it? Uh, I mean, athlet in athletics. I know some sports psychologists or. Are- one pitch at a time, or one play at a time, or one shot at a time in golf. Was there one anything you did? One
1: evolution at a time. Okay. It's like eating an elephant, one bite at a time. Man, just don't think about the big picture. It's seven months of getting your nuts kicked in, and, and test after test after stress test after evolution after evolution. It's just, what are we doing next? Log PT. Let's get through log
0: PT and see what's next. Maybe they'll maybe they'll graduate us early, right? <laughs> and so the. Finding the people that don't quit. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about. With That's a grit man quality. Like Times get hard. Shit doesn't go your way. You make the best of it. You suck it up. And so you say that you know, the best candidates are ambitious and ind- indefatigable. I love that word. It's hard to say. But also surprisingly low-key and unflappable. Yep. They go with the flow. Let's go with the flow. Yeah. Make the best of situation. I think
1: I just got lucky. I mean, I'd found my purpose in life something that i loved so much that i was literally willing to die for mm-hmm. i mean there was guys we had one guy his hip ball broke out of his socket and his uh, his hip ball cracked in half on a run i mean that's god right that's not my hands that's up to god like that if that's what happens to me then that's fine i'll find something else to do but i was willing to literally fall off the o course and break my neck and it would have been just fine like i'm i'm here doing Aspiring to be a Navy SEAL, it's the only thing that I want to do in life. Mm-hmm. And if something happens, then okay, that's God's plan. It's not my plan. I will find something else. But I was all in. It was going to take killing me or a, a, an injury that just literally impeded me from doing that job. But I was all in. There was nothing else I wanted to do. I get to blow shit up and shoot guns and go diving and hang out with some cool people and go get rid of go get rid of bad people. I was like, that sounds like a pretty cool job. Well.
0: Wow. I'm glad there's people like you that want to do that. Uh, you talk about, I, I don't know if it's at the end of Bud's or the end of Hell Week. You made it through, and they serve the best pizza you've ever ate. That was
1: <laughs> after Hell Week. Yeah, after Hell Week. Okay. So Hell Week is like the fifth week, I think I said. And, uh, it's five and a half days of no sleep. Well, you get <clears throat> two hour, two blocks of two hours of sleep during it. That's terrible. Just trust me. You don't want any sleep. But it's five and a half days of just, it's, it's called Hell Week for a reason. That's where you're going to get the majority of your quitters. And they're just, it's five days of nonstop movement. You're, you're by the end of it, you're so, your body is so chafed. You're walking legged. You, you can't have, you're walking with your arms out to the side and your, your legs out to the side because everything is raw. Your, your nipples, your armpits, your legs look like hamburger meat. I literally think the whole week when you're secured, they give you a Brillo pad and they tell you to go in the shower and they give you some cleaning stuff and they say, go scrub the hamburger mm-hmm. everywhere that it's raw. You have to scrub it. Cause if not, you get the cellulite, whatever, whatever you get something that'll start uh-huh. eating your, oh, shoot, I forget the damn staff, name. staff, um, something you get uh, something that's going to, you're not going to be happy with it. It's going to yeah. start, it's going to get infected. So they make you take a Brillo pad to your, Ooh, that can't scrub feel good it, either. it sucks, but at least Hell Week's secure, but it's, um, so, so you get mo- the majority of your quitters and you get a you get your sleep <clears throat> so hell week starts out with breakout is what they call it it's chaos they want to get you flustered they, mm-hmm. and it's literally chaos they get machine guns and explosions and they make it rain whether it's raining or not with fire trucks and they um you're supposed to stay with your team and they make sure you don't stay with your team and you get all anxious so they just try to get that's why people start just ringing the bell like they just start yelling at you like you don't know where your team is and the guys freak out like okay i can't do this and um you go through a couple of days i forget how long it is and you just get it's non-stop and you're tired there's no sleep and then they give you a little bit of sleep when you're just exhausted they put you in warm clothes so you're cold wet and sandy the whole time literally like cold wet and sandy miserable the whole time then they give you dry clothes they're nice to you they give you a cot to sleep in you get i think it's two hours you get some good sleep and then this time they wake you up nice and gentle like hey hey guys (laughs) just get up in the the beginning get your adrenaline going there's machine guns going you're up this time it's nice and easy they're really nice to you You're in warm clothes. They're so comfy. And it's right when the sun's going down. They make you all line up and stand on the berm. And they make you look at the water. And they make you wave to the sun and sing a song. I forget what, you know, goodbye sun or something. I don't know. (laughs) Something stupid that the instructors came up with. As soon as the sun is gone, they, they say, walk out into the ocean. So as you're out there, there's a certain distance. You're used to this by now. They make you get wet and sandy so you're locked arms with the whole group of people and you walk out into the surf zone just deep enough to where they say take seats and that means sit down and lay back and you let the waves crash over you and you just lay there for they have charts they do the water temperature and they know how long they can sit you in that degrees that degree water until people start hyping out and then they you know after 10 minutes they pull you out do the eye test to make sure nobody's dying you're good they put you back in for another five or whatever the chart says and they can pull you out so they can push you right to the brink and i remember that was one of the most sadistic That was one of the worst things they could have done it was terrible mm-hmm. everybody's warm nobody wants to get back in that water and start the next evolution and that was the only time i think the class did not listen to the instructors they said take seats Nobody listened. We all stood together, and then they got pissed. They're like, you take seats now. They started yelling at us, and we got in the water. But, yeah, that was a that was a good one. We had some quitters on that one for sure.
0: I bet. Oh, yeah. So you told me that, to your knowledge, that Bud's hasn't softened a bit since you've not. gone through it.
1: If it is, if it has, it's not Bud's anymore. Okay. It's just not the same. I mean, but I don't think they would uh, Buds makes Navy SEALs, and Navy SEALs are great men, and I don't think they're going to let that
0: happen. And just so we're clear, uh, a man from any racial background or zip code or up it all that didn't matter. Either if you completed the course, you completed the course, right?
1: Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. That's one of the best things about the military. Nobody cares what color you are what race you are.
0: Yeah.
1: You're there to do a job. One of my best friends, his name is Kevin Houston. He was he was black. He's mm-hmm. a, tattooed on my back. He looks like Black Jesus on my back. <laughs> I love him more than I love myself. Well, more than I love most of my family.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Like, yeah, nobody gives a shit what color you are. Right. Yeah, as long as you're there to put out and you're a good person. Yeah,
0: that's good. That's what matters. That's awesome. That that's what. It's so simple, but it just seems it's like so society right now has got it so screwed up and so divisive.
1: Yeah, well, that's not going to get you very far.
0: I agree, but that's that's good to hear that we haven't softened buds because i mean it it seems like it's designed to find the great warriors that are gonna be able to go rid the world of these bad guys, and you got to be able to count on them I, I mean, I guess if you're fighting along these guys, you have to be able to depend upon them
1: you do yeah, that's for sure.
0: Let's move on, so you make it through, and then what's the process we as a someone that's never served? You hear about different SEAL teams. Can you educate us a little bit on what the number means? SEAL Team Blank.
1: Numbers don't matter. It used to back in the day, different teams would have different regions of the the world, but uh, that changed. Uh, nowadays, it just doesn't matter. It's uh, odd numbers are West Coast, even numbers are East Coast.
0: Okay, I didn't I didn't realize that everybody on the team had a I guess you're you're all expected to carry a rifle and shoot bad guys, but you had a specific task. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, everybody's a shooter. You're an assaulter first. Okay, I know it's hands
1: down. Every SEAL is a shooter. You're an assaulter, but that's well, good job. Like when you show up to your team, they ask you like, "Hey, check in. Tell us about yourself." And as soon as you say your name, like, "Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Nobody cares, bro." Good job. You made it through, buds. So did all of us. You better. Just because you made it through buds and you show up to a SEAL team, I'll oh, shit can you at any point in time. If you're a piece of shit, you're gonna go away. This is a SEAL team. Like you need to pull your own weight. Everybody here's an assaulter. Everybody here's a shooter. You gotta have other jobs. And there's plenty of other jobs to say we're a jack of all trades, master of none. Because you have to be able to get into anyway, you have to be able to dive, skydive, shoot, blow shit up. <sighs> Everything. I mean, all the schools. So, just picking, like, dogs. That was one of the schools. I went to. Communications. You have to learn how to work radios. I mean, there's all these different jobs. You just kind of... So,
0: you're like, a, a breacher? Wasn't that a job to breacher. build stuff up?
1: Yep. But, yep. A breacher. So, once you show up to your team, you're a new guy. You have to... You're in a probation period. They don't even sure if you're going to make it. They don't even give you your trident for a while. They don't know you. You have six months to a year to prove to me that you deserve a trident. Good job making it through BUDS,
0: but... Nobody gives a it's shit. Like starting over, you have to. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: You made it through buds. Good job. You made that accomplishment, and now you have to prove to us that you yeah. deserve to be at this team.
0: And on the SEAL Team Four that you joined, mm-hmm. did were any of those guys? Did you go through buds with any of them? Or yeah, they, my okay. roommate
1: in buds. His name is Jason Higgins. He owns a No Easy or Easy Day. He's a great guy. He's um, he showed up to me. He showed up with me at, at SEAL Team Four. He was one of the new guys checking in with me.
0: It's, but the other guys. They've they've already been sealed, so you probably didn't know them.
1: Um, trying to think, my memory sucks sometimes. Who else did I show up with? There's a handful of guys we showed up to the same team, uh-huh. and it, let me see I'm trying to think. Maybe like five to ten guys showed up to the same team, but in the team you have different platoons. Okay. So in my platoon, I think we had Jason for sure. And sorry if I'm forgetting anybody. There's probably another guy that uh, I went through buds with. I oh, gotcha. Definitely, yeah, there definitely was
0: so what was your specific extra job on that team
1: that time was just new guy <clears throat> they send you to the bullshit schools like demo driver. so you the shitty nobody wants to be a box truck driver full of the demolition but in order to drive around explosives you have to be certified so hey new guy you're going to this shit school and uh i got lucky i got communication school but that's also a Kind of a shit job. I don't think it is. I think it's a great job. It just sucks because everybody loses. Everybody's radio breaks right before a mission, and as a new guy, you can't fuck up. Like if you've been around for a while, you know you can you have a little bit of leeway to make some mistakes. But <clears throat> as a new guy, you don't want to make any mistakes, and I made plenty. <laughs> but, but as it, being the comms guy, you you're jumping around like literally thirty minutes before a mission, or ten minutes before you load vehicles or whatever you get on the helicopter. They're calling you around saying, fix my radio, fix my radio. So, But it ended up working out well because that's, that was a great school to have. It makes you more valuable.
0: So, I, I believe it was on these on SEAL Team 4 you you got exposed, though, to seeing a, a working dog or a military dog.
1: For the first time.
0: And growing up, did, did you all have dogs? I had dogs. I had like Rottweilers. We had small dogs, okay. R- rat terriers. I had like a
1: pit bull when I was a kid nothing working dog they were just outside the small dogs were inside dogs and nothing no training oh no working just dogs
0: I love dogs but while you were on missions you got to watch one of your fellow seals be the dog handler
1: at uh, team four I saw a demonstration we had one guy we were in a on a training trip we were at a facility I don't know why the guy was in town but he happened to be in town and he wanted to put on a show to show the um just the capabilities of a working dog So like I said, we hadn't seen it, our our headshed hadn't seen it, our leadership. So we all just went outside. I think we had one of the guys in platoon that I went, yeah, so one of the guys that was in my sister platoon. His name is Josh Morton. He owns a, a canine training facility now. I'm pretty sure it was him that put on the bite suit for the first time, and it's hilarious. Nobody knows what to expect. So he puts on the suit, the handler, the guy working the dog, the handler, tells Josh, go run and just take off. And he's in this big Michelin man kind of thing. It's a pretty thick padded suit because you're taking a dog bite. You got to have some padding, you know. Takes off running and le- releases the dog. The dog sprints to him, you know, 50 yards, 75 yards, and launches. Hits him really hard. Usually falls, I and mean, sometimes you don't, but you usually fall. A dog is a fucking meat missile. It's a 70-pound Malinois. Um, nobody knows what a Belgian Malinois is, and bite work. Go type that into YouTube real quick, and you'll see some pretty cool videos, but. So Josh is out there, Malinois hits him hard, he falls to the ground, and you know, 60 guys in the, the whole unit starts laughing, it's all hilarious. Everybody hates Josh because he's a piece of shit anyways, so we'd love to see him get dog bit, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it was fun, I remember seeing that, it was just a quick dog demonstration, it was a very basic, looking back now, it was cool, but it was just a basic dog demonstration, dog, somebody's running, a bad guy's running from target, you might not be able to shoot him. You can launch a dog instead of chasing him. Launch the dog. dog will apprehend him in literally five seconds, and then you can go take care of business. And it was cool. It was one of the aspects a dog can bring to the... One of the capabilities a dog can bring to the table. There's mm-hmm. plenty more a dog can bring to the table. That was just one show. And that was my first quick... didn't really... That was a new, pretty new. I mean, just showed up to Silt Team 4. What do I know? You know, i have barely been around. And But it was cool to see. It didn't really... It Click in my mind like we're definitely going to be using these things on deployment, no doubt about it. You know what I'm saying? Was, figured the capability was there, but once I got to development group on my first deployment with development group, is they were using dogs at the time. They had been using dogs, and that's when I really saw the dogs work. Night after night after night, like holy shit, these things saving people's lives. I mean, I remember in the book, it says, <clears throat> I remember being in the team room and somebody say, Hey, raise your hand if a dog's ever saved. I don't remember what we are doing. Like some guy was talking like, Hey, raise your hand. If a dogs ever saved your life, just a quick thing. And everybody's hand in the team room went up like everybody and everybody had a story to tell at least one, if not multiple stories. I mean, as soon as that happens, like guys can just start telling story after story after story. Just dogs are amazing. And I saw that on my first deployment with just, I love dogs. I grew up with dogs. I'm a huge dog guy, and I saw it at my at Sill Team Four that I had these. I went to these three schools that made me invaluable, and I wanted to go on every mission. I worked my ass off. I'm not. I was by far, um, no means by far the the strongest person on the team. I was about middle of the pack, right? And, but I figured I, I was a hard worker, and I figured if I I saw that if I made myself valuable, I wanted I wanted to go on every mission. I worked my ass off to get there. If I got there, I wasn't in this for the book deal, which I'm an asshole wrote a book, but it's a book on my dog. So anyway, I wasn't in this for the book deal. I had no intention on doing that. I didn't care. Back then, he didn't even have to pay me. <laughs> like I just needed enough to get by. Um, I was all in. So it was just, I wanted to go on every mission. I got lucky enough to get these schools that made me valuable enough to get to go on every mission. And when I got to dev group, I wanted to continue that, and I saw how valuable the dogs are.
0: Dev group? Naval
1: Special Warfare Development Group. Okay. Um, I saw how valuable the dogs are. A lot of guys didn't want to have to, didn't want to deal with that, didn't want that responsibility. If you're not being used as a dog guy, it does kind of suck because you're not being an assaulter. But um, I just wanted to make myself more valuable, so I immediately volunteered for dogs. Because I love dogs. I wanted to go on every mission. I already had these other schools. I knew that paid off so I I spoke up and I I mean the dog guys were getting to shoot the bad people the bad people usually run the dogs find the bad people if you find the bad people you get to kill the bad people I wanted to kill as many bad people as I possibly could it all made sense to me
0: so you decide that you want to be a dog handler Uh, but I'm sure there's a process to that but in the book he's talk about it, it was an opportunity to also get on SEAL Team Blank and I listened to the audio I don't know how the does it say blank, or does it say the number in the actual book? I don't know. That's okay. a good question. So I'm assuming that was SEAL Team 6. That's That might be it. Okay. There's a chance. <laughs> There's, There's a good
1: probably chance. probably something on the internet. I'd tell you, but i have to kill you. Uh, that's fine. Uh-huh. D- then don't kill that's me. We, we can move on.
0: <laughs> uh, but I'm going to find this because it talks about. Okay. So it talks about getting on SEAL Team Blank. Got the best resources and equipment. Only downside was when you went back to you went back to being the low man on the totem pole. You got the shit jobs, womp, womp. first to arrive and last to leave, which is exactly as it should be. If, hell T- yeah! Took out the trash, carried stuff of other guys, kept my mouth shut and my eyes open. I've
1: never been so happy to take out the fucking trash in my life. <laughs> you know, you should want to take out the trash. I wanted to be there.
0: But let's talk about it because that's I think that's a problem in society right now. People show up on day one and think they're the man. Instead of paying their dues. Well, it, you might be, but you still got to take out the trash. It turd. looks like you had no problem understanding your place and you were going to earn your stripes and earn the respect of your, your new teammates. Of course. I love my new teammates. You better deserve to be there. It was an honor to be
1: there. It was an honor to be around such great men.
0: So let's talk about getting your dog. And I know there was, it came down to it. You could have got a couple dogs, uh, but a decision was made where you got Cairo. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, on my first deployment is when I saw, like I said, the capabilities of the dogs, and I expressed that I wanted to be a dog handler, and that job opening was, the job was very open, and a lot of guys don't want to be a dog handler, so I was immediately told that I'd be a dog guy when I got back. I was actually told I was getting a dog that we had on that deployment. His name was Falco. He was a great dog. He was a new guy, or he was a new dog on that deployment, actually, um... In the beginning, Falco had some issues. The dogs are—we get them dogs usually from overseas, but we get them from vendors that are trained. We get them like two to three years old. They're already trained for the majority. We have to take some things out and add some things in that we want, but uh, we just don't have the time to train a puppy. You know, it takes—it takes a lot. So, anyways, we buy the dogs somewhat trained, and dogs are sometimes trained to go into a bark and hold, which is great for law enforcement. You don't always need to engage somebody if. The dogs can go up and apprehend somebody by just barking at them and having their hands up. It's fine. Um, we don't need that. If the dog goes up to an <laughs> a fighter and just starts barking, he's just going to shoot the dog in the face. I mean, that's yeah. what I would do. Falco had that problem. We tried to take that out of him to where he just went and apprehended people. And I remember hearing like Falco went to a bark and hold one night and... Luckily, he didn't, the guys were there close enough to take care of the bad guys, and Falco alerted where they were, and he's just lucky he didn't get shot. But I remember it as the person's handler at the time was like, man, he's just, he can't do that. They were going to, if he did that again, he was going to go away. No reason to get a dog killed, and that would just not sit right with the handlers. It's just, there's no, we don't do that. We don't sacrifice dogs for no reason. So I remember there being an issue, and a couple nights later, we actually got Falco on a bite. And once he got his first bite and he figured out that he didn't have to do that and go into a bark and hold and he could just apprehend people, he turned into a monster. Really? He was a badass dog. I remember seeing like, uh, maybe not the first bite, a couple bites later, he went from being, "Ah, we'll see, doesn't look like he's going to make it, to holy shit. Now he figured it out and he went from like, he was a pretty big mouth remember hearing there was a pretty tall grass and he found some guys in the tall grass and he was flinging them around so hard that he could, the guys could see their legs like flying around in the air that like, he was fucking people up and he turned into a monster. Uh, one night though, right before we were about to come home from deployment and we were getting really close, he um, went after two guys. That's what they do. They know the bad guys know we're coming. They'll load up, go run and hide and, and just wait to try to suck us in and ambush us and Dogs use their noses to alert us and try to find them first. Falco found one bad guy. Bad guy had a buddy. As Falco's biting one guy's buddy, puts a couple rounds into Falco's chest. That was mm-hmm. the end of Falco. Those guys got dealt with. They uh, we killed them back. Um, unfortunately, yeah, Falco did not make it. So we returned home from that deployment. Falco was supposed to be my dog when we got home his handler was um, moving on to other things and i was going to be his handler obviously that wasn't going to be the case anymore so when we got back i didn't get to go on the buy trip some guys went on a buy trip to go purchase dogs a handful of dogs maybe 10 20 dogs however many and
0: really wish i would have got to go on it because i heard those are pretty cool experiences that in belgium uh somewhere in holland okay i don't know, I don't know. I don't know it's exactly. called a belgian malinois yeah, is, right. the, is the term right okay
1: yeah i don't know that's I didn't get to go on the trip. There's so no by trip,
0: people go over there, and you're, and you're testing the dogs. Testing the dogs. Yep. They have
1: certain, yeah. I mean, by no means, and the no selection master cri- trainer. But yeah. the, the selection guys, criteria is pretty intense, Oh, right? yeah. yeah. We have guys. Uh, we, 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 we go through a guy his name is Mike Reaver. Him and his father are just, I guess, been around for a while. I love that guy. He's such a solid guy. I went through the dog handling course with him, and, man, that was one of the best courses I went through. It's like six or nine weeks out in California, and those guys are just, like I said, it was one of the best courses I went to. I yep. love Mike, period. He's such a good dude. And the, just the knowledge that we got in that short amount of time was, I felt really confident by the time I left that school. But he actually, him and his father, so they've been around that working dogs for so long that they have their methods to, they know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. and They know what, you know, not every, they're not going to be a hundred percent, but they know what tests to kind of look for in the on the dogs overseas. And they, they pick some really good dogs and, they came back with maybe 10, 15 dogs and we tested them out. I was, um, I never handled dogs. i had dogs growing up, but I didn't know what a working dog was. So I, I was just around, I was a seal. I wasn't a handler at the time, you know, I'd been around working dogs on deployment. So I kind of got a little bit of just, you know, of what they do and what kind of look for, but experience level between me and like a Mike Reaver is a fucking nothing. It's like Mike Reaver being a seal and me being a seal, like, you know, flip flop that, right? But, uh, they come back with a bunch of dogs I said I didn't really know what I was looking at, but I'd, I'd seen a little bit. And I saw, I saw the two dogs that were really looking like top-notch. And there was a, a dog named Bronco and Cairo. And when they came out of the cage, Bronco just seemed to be a little bit more friendly. Right? He, Cairo, when he came out, he was mostly just looking like, where's the work, where's the work, where's the work, which is nothing wrong with that, knowing what I know now. Anyways, Bronco ended up being a great dog as well. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I kind of was leaning towards Bronco a little bit more. I mean, like we had trainers that knew what they were doing, that ran the dog program at the command. And, uh, obviously, they have a lot more experience than I do, so they evaluate the handler and they evaluate the dogs. And every dog's different. It's like every person's different, and they just match the personalities. We also had master at arms with us that were handlers, canine handlers as well. So there were seal handlers and there was master at handlers. I would work with us and. The master of arms had more dog experience than i did and i had more seal experience obviously so i was going to be a shooter they would give us the higher caliber dogs because they just don't have as, as much experience and i also am a shooter on target i also am going to be shooting people not that they are not we try to position them to where they're not going to be put in that position but there are handlers they could to shoot there's plenty of handlers that shoot bad people on target mm-hmm. so we try not to do that but um
0: You're still you're still carrying your rifle. Oh yeah, I'm a shooter.
1: I just happen to have a dog attached to me. Gotcha. You're the master at arms. We're going to put you a little bit farther back to where you might not have to engage people, but you're still. If I need you, you're going to bring that dog up. I'm doing both roles, so they give us the higher caliber dogs that don't maybe need as much work. Plus, I don't have the experience. If this dog is having this fucking issue, I don't I don't have the experience you have, like the other master master arms do. So they can fix that problem or know what to. You know, they might have those little fixes that they've seen in their past. I I got this. This is not a big deal. So um, the trainers evaluate the handlers and the dogs and they match us up. And it was a perfect match because me and Bronco worked together. Cairo got shot on one of his deployments and I worked with Bronco. And um, I'm a little bit heavy-handed. I'm an asshole sometimes. (laughs) But in my mind, I'm, I'm a shooter with a dog attached to me. And I don't take that lightly. If I'm shooting at a bad guy and the dog jerks me and I shoot my buddy... That's what that was. I always go worst case scenario in my mind. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad
0: is, thing. Is the dog on a, a leash? The dog
1: oh. is attached to my hip on a leash. Got it. And if he jerks me and I'm trying to shoot somebody and I either just miss or I'm there's a hostage or I shoot my buddy. That's always worst case. And so I was a little heavy handed on the obedience because that was always in my mind. Like you need to fucking listen. Mm-hmm. And I'm on night vision. I can't be looking down at the dog. I'm looking for bad people. Looking back now, maybe shouldn't have been so heavy-handed anyways. Um, Bronco didn't respond to that as well, so when Cairo got shot, me and Bronco did not work together nearly as well as me and Cairo did. So it's just funny how that happens sometimes. It, it's a good thing. It was a very good choice. Those trainers made a, made a good choice. They put they gave me Cairo, and I'm, it all worked out pretty well, as it, you can tell.
0: Well, seemed like Cairo knew when it was time to work. And when it was time for him to just hang out with you and you feed him steak or lay in your bed, y'all were able to have like a normal relationship between owner and dog, but then he could flip the switch to be a killing machine.
1: That's it. That's what I say. Flip the switch. Turn it on when it's time to go to work. Turn it off when it's time to come home. And uh, There's certain triggers. Like putting on their vest. There's a rule. As soon as I put on Cairo's vest, nobody touches him. You don't fucking touch him. You don't a kissy face at him. <laughs> you, know, you don't give the ball. It's like... There's no fucking around, but when we put on the vest, everybody else is putting on their gear anyways. Mm-hmm. When we're putting on gear, it's just really little jokes. Put on music in the, in the team room. We sleep on the on the helicopter ride there, but it's it's business. Like you know, it's you have that time to where it's like fun, 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 jokes, jokes, and then there's that point in my mind where it's like okay, you turn the music off. It's all business right now, starting from right at this moment. And for the dog, it was as soon as I put on the vest.
0: Uh. You and Cairo had a special bond. I mean, it was clear when you're telling the story. Uh, do you think that's normal between handlers? or? Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: We're the dad. Yeah. Everybody else are the uncles. There's a, there's a special bond between working dogs and the whole team. Yeah, I mean, even with the mouths I have now, there's always a bond. And then I lost a dog, Hagen, that got me through when Cairo passed. Like, yeah. There's a special bond between all of my dogs. but
0: so there's a human side.
1: Yeah. I, I haven't taken a dog to war, and I hopefully never will again there's definitely a special bond between us and there's a different aspect to it i mean the dog Cairo got shot for me got shot for us mm-hmm. he took a bullet
0: saving somebody's life you know let's talk about that because that's that was the moment in the book and we talk about grit men and i'm like Cairo was a grit dog and he was a badass so it was describe the scene because him coming back to you and what he had to go through to get there was was awesome
1: it was kind of like a scene where Falco got shot we were chasing a couple bad guys they knew we were coming they fled they found a tree line to hide in it was open desert and they found this, this group of trees ran into the trees and of course they fucking set up an ambush we land safe distance make our way up there happened to be this low wall low brick wall we get behind the low wall we had great team leaders just great great all the guys were great Team leaders making the right calls, trying to get them to come out using escalation of force, is what we called it. Um, since they were bad, they obviously weren't
0: listening. <laughs> uh, come so out with your hands up. Right. That, that didn't work. So did
1: escalation right. So we're doing whatever we do. Throw some crashes in there. Say we're going to do this, that. And eventually, you know, they're not listening. Eventually, the call is made to send in Cairo. So i using the wind to the best advantage. I sent them in. I, it's thick vegetation. So I'm watching him the best I can. We're on night vision. So it's hard to see him. He disappears into the woods. Is he
0: GPS collared or? Uh, no, it's, no. Okay. No. Yeah, so you- I have
1: a collar on him and electronic collar that has a tone and a little bit of but juice. But you
0: can't see his location, but nah. I got it. Okay.
1: I don't, I don't need that. We don't let him get that far. If you lose your dog like that, then there's probably some bigger shit happening. That's mm-hmm. these dogs listen well and we don't let them get out of range
0: like that. Um, so he's closing in on them
1: yeah i see him using the wind he's i lose him in the vegetation and i'm making my way down the line of guys trying to stay low behind the cover i mean there's guys hiding so i'm trying to stay a little bit hidden I'm trying to watch for my dog and then all of a sudden there's a distinctive difference between our gunfire and ak gunfire so i hear ak gunfire it's not my first rodeo might know what the fuck is going on dog cairo found him and he's getting shot at if not shot I start recalling him with the e-collar using the tone and a little bit of juice. You don't have to blast him, but you just use a little bit. Like, hey, it's like a mom nipping on their neck, right? Like me tapping on him. Get the fuck over here right now. I need you. Um, he doesn't listen. Cairo listened great. I was lucky. And they gave me one of the better listening dogs, and he always listened really well. I didn't even need the e-collar when I called Cairo. During all of his recalls, I don't need to shock him at all. I don't even need the tone. Cairo listens to me every time. He wasn't listening. It seemed like an eternity. It's probably really quick, but him not coming back within that amount of time that I expected him to come back, I, I knew something was wrong. So still looking for him, still making my way down the line. I don't make a call over the radio yet, but I know something's wrong. I just figure he's dead. I mean, it is what it is. That's how Falco died, and we've lost plenty of other dogs that way. Staying behind cover, I'm recalling him, recalling him. And uh, eventually, I see him in the distance. He, he had must he. So he makes his way over. I see him. I start making my way to him, and I get about twenty feet, thirty feet, and he collapses. And if anybody knows anything about Malin walls, they don't they don't collapse. And they're a million miles an hour. They're they're like Navy seals on steroids in a dog form. Right? They're fucking nonstop. So I see him fall over, and I immediately like, he's dead. Like that is that that doesn't happen. Um I still made my way over to him. When I check on him, he's breathing. So I'm like, oh, shit, he's not dead. I'm like, well, that's a good thing. Um,
0: All right, so pause, though. I want to get back to that. But didn't he, for him to get to that point, he couldn't just come right to you because there was some kind of wall, right? right?
1: So since we were behind a low wall, I get to him, and he shot through his chest and his arm. I didn't know he was shot through the arm until much later on. But I guess since he was shot through his arm, he probably couldn't jump over that wall very well. I'm assuming that's why he didn't just bolt right to me. I'm assuming mm-hmm. he had to find some sort of break in the wall because he came from a distance. Like that wall made its way all the way down that tree line. And he came from, it seemed, he didn't, I didn't see him jump over the wall. He was coming from the distance. So I'm assuming he found a break in the wall at some point and made the long ways around to me.
0: He was coming to you. just but had was to find a to different me. route. Just, I think because
1: he was shot in the leg, he just couldn't hop back over. But he eventually made his way over to me and then yeah he collapsed and uh, but that was uh it was dead but it was um it's weird to have that feeling you're always taught like if you if your buddy gets shot in the doorway like you don't stop to f- grab your buddy like there's a gunfight going on you have to suppress the threat you take care of the threat first and then you get to your teammate same thing with him he was dead there's still a firefight going on the only reason why I didn't go over to him was because there was Plenty of guys on the line. Those guys were a bunch of badasses. I'm like, I think you guys got two turds in the tree line. Um, so I was able to make my way over to him. They cleaned up that mess that was still in the tree line. No problem. So um, they took care of business. As I make my way over to him, I see that he's injured and I see that he's still breathing. I make the call over the radio that we had a eagle wounded in action or a teammate wounded in action um one of the guys that was on the line great solid guy um he was also a medic he knew that Cairo wasn't he Cairo needed him more than he was needed up there he immediately made his way back it was just cool to see such a terrible situation I thought my dog is dead all that training that we had done I mean thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of training just really paid off to where I don't think Cairo would have made it. he comes back as I'm taking off Cairo's vest. I take out his medical kit. I had a medical kit for me and I had a medical kit specifically for the dog. I take the medical kit, I I know he's a medic. I throw it to him, take off his vest. As I'm literally putting on his muzzle, he had opened up the package and he was, he had his hand deep inside of his chest, just stuffing gauze inside of Cairo's chest. And obviously he's a fucking attack dog. He tries to bite him because it hurts. It's like right when I slipped on that muzzle, it was just perfect teamwork. I hand you the thing, I zip this, I put this on right in time just to stop that bite from happening because you're stuffing gauze in. As that's happening, the headshed was badass. They called in the helicopter. As he's finishing up stuffing gauze into his chest, the helicopter's literally landing in the middle of a gunfight. They don't have to do that. It's just a dog, right? Everybody was putting it on the line for for a dog. He was a teammate, though, right? He was one of us. So as that's happening, it was just flawless. It just happened couldn't have happened any better like, He's stuffing gauze the helicopter's landing as I'm gathering his shit and picking him up the birds literally wheels on deck. I'm getting into the helicopter. there was a person on the helicopter to help to help work on him as well. as soon as we got back to the base, we didn't have any vet staff at the base but surgeons They didn't have to work on the dog they did they worked on him, got him stable we got him to bath. Bagram Air Force Base and where the vet staff was and those people helped save his life so it was just cool to see where I I remember seeing him collapse and I'm like well fuck he's dead getting to him and just that flawless teamwork to getting him they saved him not only just saving his life we got him back working where we went on plenty of other missions including the Bin Laden mission after that
0: yeah I mean that it's a miracle that he survived yeah and that would be you could have wrote the book and stopped there but yeah. a lot more happened. There was God's plans, I'm not sure, but Cairo had more to do. That was just his and first yeah,
1: deployment, I think. Was it? it? Okay. I think that was his first deployment.
0: So he had to rehab and read the book, guys. We're not going to tell you everything. Uh,
1: yeah, and the rehab people, the people that got him rehab, thank you for doing that. And uh, they got him back working. So it's He like, went
0: to maybe San Antonio for a little bit. Mm hmm. Yeah. A Lackland. And you continued, so you continued serving i stayed with the guys my yep. buddy
1: mike tussant yep. he had just lost his dog remco um remco we were on uh we were searching for an american that had deserted i don't even want to say his name but during that mission uh, a good teammate of mine named I Jimmy. Hatch. Was, i think it was bergdahl and nobody wants to say that turd's name yeah um there's another teammate of mine who almost lost his life that night Uh, his name is Jimmy Hatch, he wrote a book called Touching the Dragon I highly recommend checking that out, Um, and my friend Mike Toussaint his dog's name was Remco, they were going after some bad guys and they took fire Jimmy got shot I'm pretty sure through the femur, through his leg at least And he is lucky he didn't die that night and Remco got shot in the head and he did not make it so he sacrificed his life but uh, Mike didn't have a dog, so he was able to take Cairo back home for me.
0: So let's fast forward. You mentioned the Bin Laden raid. Uh, was it called Neptune Spear? Was that the name? Yeah, Nep- Neptune Spear. Did a lot of these? Do a lot of these missions get code names? Yeah, every mission
1: has a different name.
0: Okay, and. You were doing something else and got called to come back, and so you figured it was maybe something important.
1: I was at a school in Arizona with my best friend Nick. It was not a fun school, and I did not want to be there, and it was not us running the course. I think it was in a, I don't know, it was another branch. And, uh, the only reason I was kind of happy to be there is I was with my best friend Nick Check, and he was a solid guy. uh yeah, up we were there together. It's great, and it's just there for two days, maybe. And sometimes we get called back home to do different things. You know, you're always, there's always things happening all over the world, and I'm pretty used to getting called home to do things. And it's me and Nick, and Nick was a better operator than me. He actually he died on a hostage. He's he died sa- saving a hostage. His name's uh Joseph Dillip. He saved. He got shot in the head on a hostage rescue mission in Afghanistan. But, uh, it was just weird because it was a couple of days into it and my, my boss calls me and he's like, Hey, come home and grab Cairo. I was like, all right, cool. No big deal. I don't, I don't care. I was 20 something at the time. I'm like, this is my job. This is my life. I got nothing else going on. I'm like, yeah, I don't care what's happening. I get to hang out with my friends. They're my family. Like, I don't care what we're doing. We're just going to go hang out together and do some cool shit. So I go back to the classroom. I'm like, Hey man, we're getting called home. And he looks at me and he's like, "No, like I didn't get it." And I'm like, hmm. and Nick was a better operator than I was, just no doubt. I was like, "Huh, this is fucking weird." It's like you're way better than me. And like, why am I getting called? It was just really fucking weird. I'm like, "Huh, okay." Like, if they're gonna call somebody home, it's gonna be you. They're not gonna fucking call me. Like you're twice the fucking man I am. So I was like, okay, fine. Hey, go fuck yourself. You suck. I was like, have fun at this <laughs> shitty school turd. <laughs> I hated that guy. I'm kidding. I love him. Um, I love how y'all
0: talk to each other though. Cause that's what, Oh yeah. He's a so He's a piece of shit. You're supposed to talk. I like, just be honest. Yeah. yeah we Don't get your feelings hurt.
1: Weird sense of humor. His locker was right across from mine. Yeah. And our locker, you can do whatever he wants. I remember him like he'd say my name. I'd be doing something in my locker and he had a big hog. I like, think he had a big old hog. <laughs> he did. He had a thick neck and a big hog. And. Uh, <laughs> I'd turn. I'm like, "What, dude?" And he'd be sitting there, flapping that thing at me. i be like, "All right." <laughs> he was a good dude, and he was a great operator, great man. But it was just weird. I'm like, "Huh." I'm getting so you called, get called home, back. And not. Yeah. And so I go home, and then uh, things were a little vague at first, but eventually we were told what we were going to go do.
0: And y'all, you had to train for that mission for a while, correct? We did a little bit
1: of training, mm-hmm. a month or two to train get ready as much as possible. I mean, that's all that we were doing anyways is training. So we were just going over contingencies. And
0: It's a very high-profile mission you get asked to go on. What particularly was your job with Cairo?
1: We were just there to do what we were always there to do. Um, he was trained to detect explosive odor. He was a dual-purpose dog, so he's trained on explosive odor and man odor. So if there was explosives and he smelt it, he had his signal to where he would alert us. And then we were like, oh shit, okay, there's some explosives there. And if there was bad guys hiding, he would use his nose to find them. So our job that night was to do sweeps to the perimeter looking for explosives. And he sort of escape tunnels. So There might be a <clears throat> hidden tunnel. I figured there'd be something. Or the house is whole rigged to blow. Uh, so once we felt the perimeter secure, we just moved away to the inside doing the same thing. Doing sweeps for false walls, hidden rooms, um, Suicide vests, explosives. I mean, we had been in a couple of HBIEDs before. One that we didn't go into because I had very, very great leadership that was smart enough not to... The leadership above my leadership was telling us to go into the building. And my leadership was like, fuck you. We're not stupid. That house is going to explode. They kept telling go in, go in, go in. And... Luckily I had some great leadership that was smart enough to figure out a way to blow up the house from the outside. And when that house did explode, the things that we made it blow up with was not the caliber of explosion we got. It was supposed to be a little explosion. And that house was obviously rigged with explosive because it went high order. Same person, Nick check talking to him after that. He was still alive at the time. He, Come back from the mission. He's like, holy fuck, dude. I saw this big rock, like this huge boulder fly between me and the team leader. He's like, that thing literally almost took me out. It's like feet. Like the thing went high order. So that was one HBID that we, <clears throat> that was the second one we came across. The first one we actually did go inside. And on that one, we had a dog at the time named Balto. That was a dog. Like I know Cairo has a book and we did a lot of things together that was amazing. But Balto was a fucking working dog him and his handler I don't even know how many bites I don't even know how many lives they saved but
0: yeah so what What does the dog do when he smells an IED there's or, certain things that I don't okay. want to
1: discuss but there's certain things I try, can't get
0: away of our secrets but there's something they do alerted, to al- so alert you in that
1: one the whole yeah. house is rigged Balto was in there and he gave his signal to where his handler's like get the fuck out yeah. like we were already in there we, we all ran out of that house real
0: quick yeah. So alright so let's go back to Operation Neptune Spear uh, you get asked to go on it. Mastermind of the nine eleven uh terrorist attack. You, you have intelligence that your target's there. But right away, something goes wrong on the mission, right?
1: Yeah, helicopter went down. You know, it lost lift. And those helicopter pilots are badass. They, um, they're the best of the best. The Night Stalkers, they're... Uh, yeah, given my choice, I'll fly with him any day. Like that's who I That's who I would choose, hands down, no doubt about it. The, um That guy. What
0: branch are they with?
1: The Army, the T F one hundred and sixty. Okay. Um. Not only did that guy not crash the helicopter—I mean, it crashed—but not only did he save everybody from the helicopter from a catastrophe, he crash-landed. I want to say. Not only did he do that and pull that out of his ass, the guy's so fucking badass. He's like, I'll fly that thing out of here. Like. I believe you. Like, I, I 100% believe you, but we did not do that. Just did what we had to do to get rid of it at the time. But those guys are awesome. So we went from a near death or a near catastrophe thing to this guy pulled it off to where he just landed it in the courtyard. And it, it actually worked out to our benefit. The guys unlocked the gates from the inside. And we had some breaches that didn't go so well that it was fortified. And so it ended up working out to our benefit.
0: And, and you and Cairo are Doing your thing on the outside. I think you went inside, and
1: yeah, we were walking around the outside.
0: Sound and like I don't it, know if it was me smooth. or My, my yeah.
1: swim buddy, but like we're like coming across, and he's like, "Oh shit, look at that! It looks a uh, looks like he might have a helicopter. That looks just like ours." Jokingly, right? Like <laughs> that's not right. But at first, definitely was like, "Oh shit!" Like hopefully nobody's dead. But if something like that happens, you'll hear it over the radio, right? And we didn't hear anything over the radio, so like, you know. A little bit worried, but not too worried, but it was like, oh, there's a, obviously our helicopter's right there.
0: Mm -hmm. So besides that, the mission seemed to go very smooth.
1: It all went very smooth.
0: And after you got your target, then I believe you and Cairo went in to make sure there wasn't.
1: Yeah, I just started doing sweeps on the first floor, looking for explosives and. I was just waiting. My thought was to just keep doing searches for explosives because I, I know how bad an HBID can be and even a suicide vest just trying to find anything to blow up and false walls and I figured I was going to get the call to where we are going to have to send Cairo into some sort of hidden room or something. I was just waiting for it so I was just doing my due diligence and my job until usually you get the call like hey come to this room this floor this room and they didn't need me. He just basically died like a coward. He sent the women out in front of him and Hmm. My teammates cleaned him up the way he should have been.
0: I love what you said, too. I think one of your teammates, was it, was it Jim O'Neill? Rob. Rob. Sorry, Rob. <clears throat> uh, Fuck you, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess there was, I don't know, maybe a little bit of controversy over who shot him or not. But I love what you said. you like, it didn't fucking matter. We killed him. It was a team effort. Yeah. I mean, there's some heroic shit that happened between
1: both the guys that wrote the book saying they shot him those both great team leaders all the team leaders were outstanding I looked up to every single one of them i looked up to every single one person on that team um there was some heroic shit that happened people took gunfire through doors and they got shrapnel inside of their bodies from that mission they had to kill women there was women fighters on that like there was some heroic shit that happened my Buddy grabbed two women that thought... And said, so we've, we've been around... H- HBI or... Uh, suicide vests were a common thing. I was telling the same guy that I'm talking about just now. I reminded him about a suicide vest where he almost died. He didn't remember. We had seen so many. He's like, oh shit, I forgot about that one. And I'm like... Yeah, it's like... Anyways, we'd seen them so many times. That it was just like... It's pretty much a given we're going to see, especially with who we're going after. And there was... Some heroic stuff that happened. He grabbed those women and pushed them into a corner and dove on top of them. And I remember talking to him afterwards. He's like, I was just waiting. I remember that feeling of being in that HPID where you have this feeling of just waiting for that pressure or that fire, that blast or whatever the fuck. You're just waiting for that explosion. And that's basically what he did. He grabbed those women and he threw them in the corner and just laid on top of them. And he's like, I was just waiting for it. He's like, I was just, it was it. It's like I knew it was it. And there was a lot of heroic shit that happened that night by every single person on that team. So, yeah. Yeah. It
0: doesn't well, thank matter. You, thank you for sharing. So, you, uh, you got out of there. I guess you had to change the plans a little bit because uh, you didn't have one of your helicopters. So, you had to call in some other aircraft or something?
1: Yeah, we had backup plans.
0: Okay. So, we had some other guys. Which I think you, you some, always had backup plans. We always got right? backup plans. We
1: had some guys that were good to go <laughs> from a different squadron that came and scooped us up. Saved our ass. Yeah. <laughs>
0: all right well, let me ask my question differently because i remember you saying how you put your ipad uh it's an ipod which was you dated yourself uh, but you you just put on travis Tritt's a great day to be alive mm-hmm. when you just completed the uh, amazing mission and you thought maybe you were gonna die and it, it hit you like hey we just did something pretty cool and you put on, It's a Great Day to Be Alive, which I love that song.
1: No, it's a great song. I used to listen to that one a lot. So I always had my little iPod I put in my pocket. and yeah. Little soundproof headphones. I got to wear ear protection on the helicopter. It's loud. So I was like, well, fuck. Might as well just put in some music. Just stay calm. Relax. If I can go to sleep, I go to sleep. And then I get a long helicopter ride. And what am I going to do? Stress out. I've We trained and planned so much. I would go through the basic gist of the operation through my head about five minutes out again. But we had trained and planned so much that if you overthink it, it's not gonna. It's just, it's just stupid. So just go to sleep. Some people would read, some people would sleep, some people listen to music, and I, I would just listen to music and try to sleep. And on the way in, it was uh, ACDC Money Talks. Yeah. On the way in. So you're just listening, like. Yanking and banking on the way to Bin Laden's house listening to money talks. It's a pretty cool little feeling like, you know, and then, you know, you got one minute, 30 seconds out and I'm like, oh shit, all right, take this off and it takes five seconds to stuff it in my pocket. I mean, yeah. I know what, I know what we're doing. This is burned into my mind what we're doing. So that's on the way in and then on the way out, I used to always listen to It's a Great Day to be Alive. And uh, I would always have Falco next to me. And then I stopped listening to that when Falco died. So I didn't listen to it. And shit. Falco died in 2008, and it's 2011, so I did not listened to it in a couple of years. I just couldn't. And that was the perfect time to listen to it again. It just happened to come across, and i always skip it. I like, I just can't. And that was the, that was the perfect, perfect time to listen to it again. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: You go back, and I don't know exactly how you, you said it, but President Obama and, and Vice President Biden at the time wanted to come congratulate y'all, I believe, and maybe President Obama wanted to meet Cairo?
1: Oh, yeah. They heard there was a dog, and I think that was one of the main things they said. They want to meet that dog. Yeah. And that was real cool. It was awesome. We got to go and meet him. And I Shouldn't have kept the muzzle on him, but I did, just in case. Cairo was real friendly, but yeah. he's, a, he's an attack dog. And I just really didn't want to get the president bit. I mean, he was fine. I knew he would be fine, but then that would just be a pretty shitty deal.
0: Yeah, you maybe not. How you wanted to be the dog handler had don't. the dog that bit the president. Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Looking back now, I, de- I wouldn't have put the muzzle on him, but put a little muzzle on him.
1: Kyra's so friendly. Yeah, he did great. He leaned up, probably leaned up against him and got pet by him. Yeah. Had a great little meet and greet.
0: It was a good visit. I love what you said in the in the book too, because you said that administration maybe made some some policy or some rules that made it harder to do your job, but he's the president of the United States and he wanted to meet the dog. And you were going to oblige because of course. that's what you do. He's the president of the United States. Absolutely.
1: We all make mistakes. I'm I'm not perfect. He's a, He's got a tough job. It's a tough job around the country. And we all make mistakes. Not them saying that he did. I and mean, even if you do think he's made them, so, so you make mistakes too. And uh, yeah, it's an honor to meet the president, no matter what you think of him or he was in charge, I agree. the commander in chief.
0: I get so frustrated. I met him actually a couple times. That's awesome.
1: I got to give him a bro hug. He brought it in. It was weird. It was awkward. Yeah. Like it's the president. I'm very professional, and yeah. he brought it in. I'm like, oh shit, we're doing this. I'm like, okay, cool. Hug it out, man. Like it's okay. Yeah, but yeah, maybe we don't see eye to eye on every single issue. But killing bad
0: guys, y'all are on the same page.
1: Yeah, he 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 gave the go ahead to accomplish that mission. So yeah. couldn't really be mad at him for that.
0: I know. I get so frustrated with. Some of the athletes, the team, sports teams, that get invited maybe to go meet the president, and they decline. Or yeah. that's, that's just BS. You're it's an American. It's a, yeah. You're an yeah. American. The president asks you, let me go shake his hand and say thank you. Mm-hmm. Let's go towards the. I don't want to get all the details, but there was a process, and sound like the Navy has a lot of paperwork sometimes. Uh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> some bureaucracy. All the time. <laughs> You were able to end up with Cairo, and uh, it was a tough time in your life because you've you were wounded yourself, and it was a time maybe where you could get Cairo, but it seems like y'all y'all helped each other.
1: Definitely, yeah, I was blown up in 2012. Went through a bunch of medical process, blah blah blah. wasn't the same. Migraines, hair loss. My hair had fallen out a couple of times after the deaths of my friends and losing my fingernails and. Memory loss, migraines. I just, I felt like I was a liability, like old Jimmy Hatch. I take this from him all the time, and my teammates. You're either an asset, you're a liability, and I went from being an asset to I felt I was a liability. I didn't want to die, and I definitely didn't want to get anybody killed. I don't. I probably would have taken my own life. If I, I mean, who knows what I would have done if I would have got somebody killed? So I had to step down. I had drinking issues. People started to see. I was self medicating with alcohol. Um, there's nothing wrong to drink a lot in the teams. It's a big part of the camaraderie. Not everybody drinks, but most guys drink. And just turn from having fun, building that camaraderie with, camaraderie with your friends to drinking myself, looking, to, looking at pictures, drinking myself to sleep every night, looking at pictures of my dead friends is probably not the healthiest way to live your life. Trying to kill a gallon of alcohol, a gallon of vodka every single night is probably not the best. Hair was falling out, fingernails fall out, couldn't remember anything. I was getting migraines like crazy. Just things weren't the same. I mean, I used to be a pretty high-functioning individual. I made it all the way through buds and all the way development group. I used to be able to shoot, move, and communicate without any issues. I used to thrive on it. I used to get into the flow, no problem. And then at one point, I remember sitting there and I couldn't even run one single trip. The guys were. Running two, three trips, you're going to become team leaders, bosses. They're doing college courses. They're getting there. They're doing jujitsu. They're getting promoted there. They're doing, they're raising a family. Like you're doing, like eight different fucking things at once. And I can't one, I can't run one trip. So it was weird. And I was like, I used to be you. Like I don't know what the fuck is going on. And then my hair's falling out. I'm like, I don't understand, but. I was working and I didn't want to stop working So we were going overseas killing bad people and nothing was going to stop me from that. So I remember being in the muster. It was just a muster one morning, you know, I'd get all dressed up and I standing in line. I had this big, huge bald spot. We just, I think we had lost Nick or anyways, I just lost some friends and the hair fell out and a big bald spot. And we're standing in muster and everybody's poking it. Cause we're all fucking with each other all the time, nonstop. And everybody's poking my bald spot. And I had a comb over <laughs> and they're like, what is this? <laughs> Look at this. So I'm getting made fun of and, I'm like, hey, yeah, anybody else got this? Like, what is this? I thought I had a. I was dating a crazy chick at the time. I thought she had shaved my head in my sleep. So it was a real, real, real great relationship at the time, <laughs> you know? But it was alopecia. And uh, some other guys are like, oh, yeah, most guys had it in their beard. Just big clumps fall out and the big, just bald spots in their beards. I'm like, oh, this is normal. Cool. You've got it. You've got it. I've got it. I'm not stopping the job. But uh, looking back now, it's like, hey man, your hair's falling out twice. Like your fingernails, they just turned real brittle. I don't know if that was from something I picked up overseas. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. for was stress. I don't know. Um, just the wheels were coming off, and it just slowly, just not enough for me, like boiling a lobster, right, or boiling a frog, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Boiling a frog, like just, just worse and worse and worse, to where you really don't notice it until it's like you're fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hair starts falling out just not starting to little by little and then all of a sudden i'm not able to really function and guys are sending me to rehab and looking at me weird and i'm like i don't
0: know like uh, but you got some help right got some help well, i had great yeah. leadership that put me through some true friends that said hey oh yeah great geez, friends, you need great leadership.
1: they were very awesome yeah they just they gave but was that
0: hard on you it was almost like a little bit like committing defeat a little bit oh yeah of course yeah, i had to step down hard. i still
1: remember sitting there talking to my friends and I was blaming it on I don't know I was blaming it on other stuff I was denying I was like it's fine I just whatever lying to them to keep doing my job and being like it's okay and then eventually sitting down with my boss I'm like something's wrong I can't do this anymore so that was a very hard hard conversation that I had that I probably put off for a little too long but yeah. they're very understandable and great like I said great bosses they put me through every single treatment program they had through multiple rehabs to multiple brain treatment things to everything, everything that they had at the time.
0: Well, at that time, you met your, you met a particular girl, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. That Right after I was blown
1: you. up in 2012, I met Natalie.
0: And y'all recently had a significant event in your relationship. Yeah. Now we're married and got a kid on the way. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, congrats. I've heard Thank that you. Navy SEALs don't have boys, though. Is that it's true? It's a boy. Oh, but that is a thing. It, isn't there like a, cur- there's a curse? A team guy
1: curse. I was just talking about this the other day with my friend. The team guy curse. He's like, you broke the team guy curse. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> cool.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yep. So you're. I'm sure it's. I don't know. PTSD can come back. Is it something you're always going to have to deal with? I,
1: I don't know about PTSD. Uh, the way I look at or, that
0: is... Or, or what would you? What was your diagnosis? Or I, don't I know. consider
1: the loss of my friends. I miss yeah. my friends. And uh, they die doing what they love to do, but it still doesn't... Still sucks, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what I incorporate the PTSD with. Mm-hmm. As far as going overseas and shooting bad people in the face, like... It's not normal to take life, but for some reason that just has to happen sometimes. There are bad people out there. I don't know why, but it is what it is, and somebody has to do something about it sometimes. So I think about that, but it doesn't really sit with me badly. The things that sit with me badly, it's the missing of, I miss my friends.
0: Mm -hmm. How often do you think about Cairo?
1: Oh, all the time. If not daily, Mm -hmm. all the time. You You know, over time, less and less a little bit, but still, he's always there. Here's dad. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, anything else you want to say? This has been awesome. We've touched on a lot of things. You're a true patriot, a grit man. Thank you. Cairo's a grit dog.
1: And I appreciate appreciate you having me on. It's just good to uh, bring attention to these dogs and <clears throat> all working dogs. Like I said, I didn't know what dogs can do for us. They're just animals. Yeah. They're just pets. But dogs can do a lot more yeah. for us. I mean, that's search and rescue dogs. That's law enforcement with their canines, that they save lives. They're service animals that... To help people get through tough times there's the dogs that we use that saved in the military <laughs> countless amounts of lives that just and they sacrifice their lives for us so it's good to bring attention to. That. people don't know that they, they these dogs die for us
0: so if there's guys out there that that want to help seals or help our military. I believe the organization that connected us when I first met you, that skeet is it called Warrior Health?
1: Warrior Health Foundation. Is that a
0: good place for people if they want to get involved and donate? That's a great
1: foundation. It's run by a, a teammate of mine. He okay. was a development group with me. Solid guy. Um, it's Warrior all Health. Warrior Health Foundation.
0: Okay. It gets guys. Um, and you went through that
1: treatment, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Just get your blood levels checked and see where your hormones are at. Yeah. Sleep. Getting your blood levels looked at. There's, there's multiple aspects there's all kinds of different modalities that I use nowadays to try to get me through tough times I mean there's plenty of things to look at and what I try to tell people is just don't quit just don't mm-hmm. give up life's hard and that's just not for me not for civilians everybody has trauma in their own way life is fucking hard sometimes life is great but you can't have the good without the bad the yin without the yang it is what it is you gotta have the tough times to enjoy the good times so everybody's gonna go through their trauma you're all gonna lose family you're all gonna experience death you're all gonna have some sort of shit you have to get through. Just gotta get through it. And I know I don't say that lightly. Mm-hmm. Fucking life sucks sometimes. But it passes. And there's There's different ways. Like dogs, dogs can get you through tough times. Cairo got me through my tough times of transitioning. When Cairo died, my dog that I had the time, Hagen, she got me through his death. And then dogs after that got me through her death and it's mm-hmm. like there's different modalities to use where Breathing there's float tanks. There's meditation. There's Getting your sleep, right? There's different things and not everybody's different like some things might work for you some things Might sound a little hippieish, but give it a try keep keep an open mind Listen to the people that you respect and trust and I'm not saying it's gonna work But at least give it a good shot. Maybe some things work together. Maybe it's CBD and floating in the tank Maybe mm-hmm. it's because I floated had so much shit and so much trauma at the time where I'm like this is some guys couldn't be in the tank for five minutes it's a float tank where you sleep it's, it's a deprivation chamber where you go in there and you I don't know I'm not I don't know how to get to, but you basically just trying to relax and just mm-hmm. float with no it's just like it's a yeah some guys just couldn't stay in there with their thoughts for five minutes because there's just so much going on but maybe a little bit of CBD or something, or it's some more breathing. Holy. So some it breathing sounds like exercise. it's a
0: holistic approach. Yeah, definitely look yeah. at the holistic.
1: Maybe not holistics. Maybe it is cool. some antidepressants for a second. Yep. Maybe that is the the, the thing that's going to work for you. Maybe it's your diet. Maybe it's the sleep that I got a sleep machine nowadays. I fucking hate it, but <laughs> it's night and day difference between the quality of sleep I get. Maybe it's antidepressants for a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit of marijuana and THC or CBD. I don't. I don't know. Maybe everybody's different. But I would be open minded. Cause some people hear that, maybe they hear like my said, my my buddy, my roommate and bud, his name is Jason, Jason Higgins, and he owns a CBD company called Easy to Hemp, and some people hear that and they are like, oh marijuana, like I think things are changing these days, but uh, my sweet little grandma, if I were to tell her anything, I would have given her CBD, I just never would have told her what it was. Yeah, she would have heard marijuana and she would have immediately stopped listening to me, probably, maybe yeah. not, but just get out of your shift your paradigm a little bit, like. Oh. I, I remember hearing about intermittent fasting from a guy that I respected. The guy who thought he was going to die on the bin Laden mission. The guy who did that heroic shit. I was—I respected him so much and he was telling me about intermittent fasting. And I respect you. You're one of the best motherfuckers I know. And he wasn't calling intermittent fasting. He was going right over my head. I remember, I specifically remember having this conversation with him in the gym. And I'm like, yep, uh-huh, cool. I didn't try it. I didn't listen to it. But listening into it either in a different context i don't know just open up your mind a little bit i thought it was my ego got out of control and i'm like yeah i'm fine i'm good i don't need to do any of this but keep an open mind
0: yeah
1: and the hard times will pass
0: that's great advice if those that want to check out the book what's the best way for them to purchase it
1: uh no ordinary dog we have an instagram page so just go on the no ordinary dog book page and uh, shoot us a message on there and we try to get you hooked up and uh awesome you can find it on Amazon should be in bookstores and all that stuff
0: so awesome well again thank you for your time and thank you for being you
1: yes sir appreciate and Other, other foundation so Jimmy Hatch has if you are it's a war health foundation it's definitely on the brain side and there's the brain treatment foundation that helped me on the dog side um, Mike Ritland has warrior dog foundation that helps the, the, the working dogs that can't go to homes he helps do stuff for them and Jimmy Hatch has spikes canine fun that give uh, medical treatment to working dogs and ballistic vests and just gives them equipment that they need. And it's, both, There's multiple organizations, but all those are teammates of mine
0: okay. that, that we've mentioned in this. I'll list that in the show notes. Cool. We'll, get, we'll get the names of all of these so people can check them out. Awesome. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Guys, he's a lot like Nails. He plays like Nails. He's tough as Nails. He likes to call himself. Yes. So, uh,